Once upon a time in American history, there was a quote with regards to the Richard Nixon debacle. At long last, our long-awaited nightmare is over. Or, you know, something to that effect. So at long last, we have football. And the nightmare of the offseason is over. Let's get into it. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks. Your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. We have a first-time guest on the show today. Many of you Oregon fans out there probably know him already. He is Eric Scopel, 24-7 Sports, Duck Territory, the Autzen Audibles podcast. He'll be at Autzen Stadium tomorrow. I am envious of him for that fact, so I'm trying to live vicariously through him as best I can for the next 24 hours or so. But Eric, it's great to have you on the show. And on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm at about a 13 on my readiness for Oregon football. Where are you at? Do I say 14? Like, how do I one up when you've already gone over the barometer? You set me up at a disadvantage. And I'm excited to be in a stadium. I know you're probably okay not being in a football stadium because you were at one for far too long last night. <laughs> or this morning, I should say, this morning. This morning. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm the play by play guy for Southern Utah, and I was calling that debacle with a two and a half hour lightning delay in Tempe at Arizona State and I arrived back to my house where I'm recording this show at uh, 6 a.m. local time. I have slept for three hours um, but we're here so that's uh, that's that's positive. <laughs> Another positive is that football is back in earnest. We're gonna have a real game that means something tomorrow Eric. It's uh, a slightly easier opponent than the team we started with in 2022. Just just by like a little bit, just a hair. So what are you watching for most of all? There are about a million different things that we're going to get to on the show as to what to watch for, players to watch for, and who could get in the game and everything. But number one thing you're looking for tomorrow at Autzen Stadium will be what? Just the newness and what it looks like. I mean, and I'm being honest here. I I, I cover the Ducks. I'm at all the practices. We haven't seen a ton. We haven't seen an 11-11 period all fall. I don't think we saw much in spring. Obviously, we saw the spring game. But spring game is really the lasting impression I have of, like, this team and what it might look like. So Saturday for me is going to be the first time in several months that I've really seen this team do much of anything. And for how many transfers they have that are going to be key players, like, it's, I mean, it's such a weird time in college football where I look up and go, like, half the starters are probably transfers, are new guys. Like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, that's, I think they've upgraded at a lot of those spots. And so I'm curious to see what those upgrades look like, right? Like, I think it's pretty clear what Coach Lanning and the staff wanted to do going into this offseason, which was address some of the issues. And there were some pretty glaring ones that needed to be addressed. Offensive line wasn't obviously bad last year, but you lose four starters, a very good uh, line last year. Defensively, you had to improve your pass rush. You had to improve, I think, your defensive speed, and you certainly had to improve your secondary. And I think it's possible we see three, four starters in the secondary or transfer players. I think Jordan Jordan Birch is obviously starting on the defensive line. 
Um, we can run through all the names. Justin Jacobs, I think if he's healthy, I'm not sure if he is or not, would start as one of the inside linebackers. So, like, there's just so many spots where the pieces look a lot different, and I want to see what that looks like. I want to see now that Dan has had an offseason to put together the team to his liking, and he was able to do some of that a year ago, but not fully. Like, this is his team. These are his guys. These are the players he went out and, and handpicked or, or did his best to kind of construct a roster. Let's see what it looks like now and kind of what this vision is when he has some of the pieces he wants. I know we won't get to see enough against Portland State to draw any conclusions is my total is my, is my real answer. But just seeing kind of a sense of what this looks like and getting kind of a glimpse is kind of what I'm excited about. Yeah, I, I think that the the narrative that, that fans have had and I've talked about as well with regards to, well, is it, you know, Dan Lanning's team or is it Mario Cristobal's team? It's not his guys like that. That is completely out the window for me in year two. I think ordinarily I would have given until year three. Now that's when I expect the defense to pop and be fully dominant, but they should be better than they were a season ago in key areas, defending the pass, getting after the the quarterback and such, because in the portal era, you you can fix things rather quickly. And, And frankly, I thought it should have been able to have been a better defensive season than it was uh a a season ago with the talent that they did have but now you you look at every level and there's a player that landing in his staff multiple players frankly that they've brought in either from the high school ranks or from the transfer portal who you look at and say okay they wanted that particular guy whereas last year you could have looked at several defensive spots and said well that's you know they didn't bring in a transfer they didn't recruit that kid maybe that's not what they were looking for all that to me goes away if the defensive struggles continue the way they did a season ago in, in 2023, I, I think that's a concerning sign and, and will lead to other conversations we don't necessarily need to get to right now. But I, I think that defensively, I'm honestly, Eric, most intrigued to watch the secondary mm-hmm. because there are like eight guys there. <laughs> right. Who could, who could, I mean, legitimately, there, there are seven, like I didn't expect the Nico Reed edition at all, you have Triquez Bridges. You're, of course, replacing Christian Gonzalez. You have Dante Manning in there, Jaleel Florence, Nico Reed. Cole Martin looks so good. Evan Williams on the back end. But Brian Addison's there. And Jamal Hill's not in the room anymore. But Tysheem Johnson is in the mid- Like, th- there are so many different guys. And when you put five DBs on the field as your base personnel on, on any given play, you'll see a good number of them. But... I, I could see that depth chart going so many different ways. Frankly, the only guys that I feel are are locks are Tysheem, Evan Williams, and Triquez Bridges for two safeties in a corner. I think everything else is up in the air. I'm with you, and, and honestly, like typically, my job is to is to tell you what I've seen and, and give you a sense of what I expect it to be. But there's so much more guesswork right now, and and that's part of what makes Saturday really exciting is, is the fact that yeah, like. Typically at practice, Jared Mack and, and Matt Prima, who also covered Oregon for, for Duck Territory, you know, I watch the offense, Jared watches the defense. And like, I think both of us, when we're putting together our depth chart projections, we're going like, this is so much of this is more guesswork than we're used to it being. And to your point on the secondary, I actually had to pull up a de- our depth chart to look through it and be like, how many guys do I actually think I could, in theory, start? And I'm going through this going, yeah, Triquez, Nico Reed, uh, Steve Stevens, maybe you mentioned he's been a two year starter. I don't expect he starts because it seems like he's gotten passed up, but that's a name you can't ignore. Um, Evan Williams, obviously. Uh, Taishim, you've already mentioned. You've got Kyrie Jackson. Dante Manning's name needs to at least be mentioned. And, and then, shoot, Brian Addison. Yeah, there's eight guys. I mean, you're, I don't even think it's hyperbolic. And Jaleel, and Jaleel Florence, by oh, the way, who Jaleel, I thought had I a great true freshman season. 
Yeah, there's nine. And hey, let's throw out Cole Martin, who looked great in the spring and had only yeah. positive things. I mean, there's like 10 guys. And I know they're not all going to start, but I think that's that's one of the fun parts about this, like an early season game like this and not opening against Georgia is you give this team an opportunity to kind of play around with its pieces and and let Dan and, and Tosh and all the position coaches really figure out how everything fits. And so I'm with you. I mean, the secondary, like we said, like there's legitimately 10 names that we ran through. And I think I don't think they're all going to I don't know if all of them have a chance to start. But a lot of them have like genuinely I, I wouldn't be surprised if that they're the first ones lining up out there on Saturday. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And, you know, linebackers feels like a, a crapshoot at some level because we don't know about Jacobs. And Bossa was one of the guys they took to media day. So he's probably one of your two guys. But who's going to run? Like, where does Connor Soley fit into the mix? Defensive line, I, I think, is probably the most predictable yeah. uh, on on that side of the ball. But then offensively, I, I feel far more confident in in predicting, you know, Hey, here's our here's our tight end pecking order. Like it's Terrence Ferguson, it's Patrick Herbert, and everybody else is battling for number three. Probably Casey Kelly, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Kenyon Sadiq flies up the depth charge as the year goes along. You have a lot of receivers, sure, but I think that again is more predictable. The running back, super predictable. Uh, offensive line, probably the biggest crapshoot quarterback. Of course, we we know what uh, what the order is going to be there, or so we think. I mean, we don't know what we're going to get from uh, Ty, Ty Thompson, who who we talk about, but we get to watch all this play out on the field tomorrow. And if you want to go to the game, but you don't have a ticket yet, fear not because you can go check out Game Time, where you can always get last-minute tickets to any event that you want. Buying tickets to your favorite events just shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time makes it easy. The fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you they have flash deals and last minute tickets everything that pops up that you want to go to you can get them whether it's sports comedy theater drama everything in between game time has got it you also get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive rather than guessing based on some dots on a screen that's just not the best way to go about it so go check out game time download the game time app Create an account. Use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I should have made that second segment sip a shot of espresso, but you know, I I tried coffee earlier this morning. Honestly, it didn't do anything for me. So we're just we're just powering through. At some point, I'm going to take a glorious four hour nap this afternoon, and I got to tell you, Eric, I'm excited just just thinking about it. So let's kind of flip over to the offensive side of things because yeah. the biggest thing I'm interested to see. Sure, what does the offense look like with Will Stein? I think it'll be mostly the same, maybe a couple wrinkles here and there. But I think one of the biggest offensive names to watch for is Ty Thompson. Because we're all wondering, like, we're always thinking forward in college sports, especially now. What's the next realignment move? What's the next recruit? What's the next everything like that? We have no idea who's starting for Oregon at quarterback in 2024. 
and, and Ty has got the highest ceiling of anybody in the room right now or that will come into the room with the two quarterbacks they have in this recruiting cycle. And I think we're all waiting to see, is he just a, a, a developmental guy more than we thought he was going to be when he originally committed to the Ducks? But we need to see those sorts of improvements to feel you know, any semblance of confidence in saying that he could start next year. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, I you know, obviously the, the starters need to take care of business in the first half to, to give him an opportunity to, to really have the reins for the entire second. And I'm, you know, Dan, Dan doesn't get into those kind of questions. We, we tried to ask him, he, you know, predictably wasn't too interested in talking about the outcomes in a blowout. I got, I got to say, did. Eric, it is, it is fun to watch you guys try from afar. <laughs> yeah. You're not envious, are you? No, not at all. <laughs> that's the thing. That's a, that's a derail is, That's the thing on the YouTube comments, seeing people be like, oh, these media guys, you want to come try to do this for a second? I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like, it's <laughs> tough. Like, he doesn't he doesn't want to get into things, and that's nope. his prerogative, and we're going to keep trying and finding different ways. But, uh, to, yeah, to the tie part, I mean, it's such a weird career, if you think about it. I mean, you go back to 21 and the Cal game, and you had fans booing Anthony Brown, wanting Ty Thompson to come in, and two years later – Fans now have basically, I don't know, I shouldn't say all of them, but I think a lot of fans have basically kind of moved on and suggested, ah, he's not going to be the guy. And this is an opportunity, this game in particular, to set at least sort of a a standard for what he can be. And we should note, I don't have the splits pulled up in front of me. I, I wish I had, but he's been pretty good against FCS competition in his career. Like he had some, I think he played basically the entire second half in 21 against Stony Brook. I think Anthony Brown got hurt in that game. Yep. Last, last year against Eastern, he had, some okay moments it's just when he's gone against better competition it's been really rocky and i don't know if it's always been his fault i think they've i don't know my perspective at least going back and watching it all is sometimes i don't know if they put him in the best spots to succeed in terms of sort of the play calls and and at least the way they were triggered and the the choices he made didn't seem great but this is going to be an opportunity to kind of see what he can do against uh, you know again it's an fc fcs competition i just made the point he's done well in the past against them but you do want to see him have some success here and you want to see him build off of what i thought was at least a strong second quarter third quarter fourth quarter in the spring game from him again haven't seen much of him in the fall don't really have many you know people asking how has he looked i i couldn't tell you much more other than the guy can still throw it like 70 yards without stepping into a throw when they they did a long toss Probably my favorite part of practice, Spencer, by the way, at this point, is just watching him warm up and just the arm cannon because he can basically stand from one goal line and almost throw it to the other red zone with, without having to, like, put too much into it. I mean, the, the well, he had, the, he had in, the, in, in, in the spring game, he had that long completion to, to Chris Hudson, who somehow is allergic to the end zone, as we all know. But, like, that was probably the best individual throw in a game-like setting we have seen from him. Yeah. You know, the touchdown at the end of the game, he fit into a tight window, but... He had a guy bearing down right in his face, and he just looked like he did just a little, little flick of the wrist, and it was 65 yards on, on the money, and it was like, well, okay, that, that looks like a five-star quarterback. It's, that stuff is so natural to him, and this is a really unfair comparison, but just from a physical tools thing, it's like when the Raiders took Jamarcus Russell, and you're just going, guy has all the physical tools in the world. Does he have the rest of it? And again, I think that's unfair because there was a lot of other things at play, I think, in that in that situation. But you just want to see the – I think it, from Ty's perspective in this game, you just want to see the decision-making improve, the processing improve. That's the thing that I think has been problematic in the past. So if it's like, okay, first read isn't there. Can you get to your second and third read? Can you get through and figure out who's available to actually throw the ball to? Because it seems like he just kind of locks in sometimes, which is what you see with, with young quarterbacks. But, yeah, you want to see some improvement there. Um, 
and shoot. You want you want you want to see him, uh, you know, have some success in terms of putting points on the board. You know, in the second half there, you want to see him finish some drives because I don't. I don't have the figures up in front, but I think the only drives he's been able to finish for, for points were against FCS opponents. This will be another one, but of course you want to see some success there. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be watching for that. He's not the only futuristic duck uh, in, in terms of a name that, that I'll be watching for on, on Saturday by the time, hopefully, and hopefully quickly, uh, Oregon gets the game well, well within control. I wonder how much we see guys like Dante Dowdell, Jurion Dickey, Defensive players, guys like Devin Jackson, who might play a lot this year, depending on how the linebackers go. Some of the young DBs. I mean, I, I want to see more Cole Martin. I want to see Dalen Austin, Roderick Pleasant, these guys who have have just shown immense potential going forward. Like that that's part of I think the fun part about these games, you know, once it gets out of hand, Eric, is at least for me, that there's still a lot of interest and intrigue there because you go, okay, who looks like they're ready to contribute? come 2024 because as we know it's going to be a very different looking roster but there should be opportunities here for guys to kind of give us a glimpse as to who's going to be a big player on one side of the ball or the other going forward and for any of the true freshmen that arrived post-spring and that includes a couple of the guys you mentioned that includes jerry and dickie that includes rod pleasant that includes stalen austin I haven't seen them do much of anything in Oregon uniforms. Like, shoot, I was joking the other day. I think I watched uh, Jurion catch his first pass in an Oregon practice uniform the other day, and it was just Will Stein and him working on out routes and during drills. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. Look, he can catch a football. <laughs> but I haven't seen this yet, right? I mean, we know he can. I mean, he's a number two yeah. ranked wide receiver in the country for a reason. That's a guy that, yeah, that's like, that's a guy I'm really intrigued by just to see what, first off, like, where does he fit in the pecking order? I have no sense of that. I mean, the fact that he was off working to the side with the, the offensive coordinator. While the rest of the receivers are working on special teams, probably just speaks that he's not going to be involved in special teams. But the fact that he was getting that sort of treatment leads you to believe that they're they want to expedite the process of getting him ready. So is he, you know, I think Will, the offensive coordinator, said five, six receivers is probably about what you want. Well, you look through, you've got five guys that are pretty obvious there that are going to be key contributors. You got Troy, you got Chris back, you got three transfers, Treshawn, Tez, and Gary Bryant Jr. Jurion, Kyler Casper, maybe Justice Lowe, those are the three guys maybe pushing for that sixth spot. I would expect Dickey ultimately winds up being that guy in the long term. But let's see on Saturday, like, is he, did you see him sneak him in there with some of the starters? Does he get an opportunity to do that? And then obviously you're hoping he plays a ton in the second half and, and you're hoping he can be utilized. Because again, I, I've seen the guy do virtually nothing in these colors before, and that gets me excited. And, and the same is really true for. A lot of these guys, and we've seen some spring game stuff from both Dante Dowdell and, and Jaden Lamar and Kenyon Sadiq, some of these freshmen that we think are, at least offensively, that can contribute. But Saturday might be one of the few opportunities all season to really see those guys play significant snaps because you look at the way the schedule plays out. You got Hawaii a couple weeks from now. That'll be a game you, you hope that you can pull away from, that you can create some opportunities for that. But you go through the rest of the schedule and conference play, there's some teams that I don't think you're super high on in this league, but a lot of the time those games are still more competitive than you expect. And it's hard to get opportunities for your second and third unit guys, um, even against teams that are maybe finishing in the bottom third of the league. Yeah. I, I like most people, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm, I'm intrigued by Jurion Dickey, just a fun tidbit about him before we get to a couple other things to, to wrap up the show today. Um, when he was a freshman in high school, he was at Valley Christian and I was a senior at Santa Clara University, and I was the sports director at the student radio station. And we started to expand our, our, our coverage as a station. We went out and we called some high school football games. 
And Jurion Dickey hauled in like a 55-yard Hail Mary before the half. And I remember the play and I remember the moment. And then I was hosting this show and I remember that he popped up on Oregon's radar. And I was like, no way. That guy who was playing on varsity as a true freshman well no, there's only true freshman in high school but i don't know yeah. if they've in- introduced the red shirt yet but like that guy was there and then his name just popped up and i was like wow that'd be something if he committed to oregon and then here he here he is now so that's just like a, the world the world comes comes full circle sometimes but he was he was so I, I remember as a freshman he wasn't that big he's big now he's like he's built he's big and he's so fast like I saw him at a seven on seven down in Las Vegas last year. Guys that big shouldn't be able to move as quickly with his with their feet as, as he does. So I, I think that he is every bit the five star receiver that we hope he'll be. And I I don't know where he falls in the pecking order this year because there's so many guys. There there's so many guys, and I'm I'm least sure about the the receivers on uh, on that side. But what I'm not worried about is the depth. I mean Oregon across the board. A lot, of, a lot, a lot of depth at, at the receiver and, and with the pass catchers and everything. And I think that uh, bodes well for, for the office, uh, offense. I, w- I want to step outside the Portland State game for a moment and just talk to you about the, the 2023 season in general. Yeah. Um, you made your prediction with the other guys on the Odds and Audibles uh, podcast. Maybe just reiterate that for some people who maybe didn't see or, or hear that. But what, what should we be expecting as Oregon fans going into to 2023, what, what what's kind of your standard for success? Well, my standard for success is probably a, a rung below what I actually predicted. I take those predictions as I won't say like best. Well, I guess it's probably as best case. Like I'm not, but I'm. I guess I would just sort of like I I see a path to less success than what I've predicted. Is is also what I, is what I'd acknowledge. But like I I think winning 10 regular season games in this conference. And I mean, I, shoot, I think if you go seven and two in the PAC 12 this year, you give yourself a real chance to make the conference championship game. So like that to me, make, I think making the conference championship game just straight up is the standard. Like you've got to be that's in that what, game. That's what I think too. You know, you got to be in that game last year, missing it, especially with where things were going into the home stretch in those last three games where it really was, don't do the thing you they ended up doing and you're in right it really that's what it was <laughs> don't don't it. collapse twice you could collapse once but don't collapse twice and you're in and then they managed to well and i'm trying to remember the, the specifics of it but there was there was also an outcome where they could have collapsed twice and i think there was a game that was you might remember it's better than i spencer but there was there another wasn't there another game that was kind of close that if, if, if had gone the other way oregon st- still backed its way into the conference championship i game? think it had to do with utah yeah, I think it did. But they're, they were playing Colorado, right? So that game probably wasn't going to be. Mm. Oh, no. I remember, it might have been Washington. I think Washington had lost that tiebreaker. It was that. Was I think that's what it was. I think Washington State beats Washington. Yeah, if Washington State beat, beats Washington, we get in. Yeah. Anyway, like you, this year you've got to make the conference championship game. It's going to be tough because there's, I think, five teams very, very capable of being there, the teams that are currently ranked. Um, I predicted 11 and one. I, I went pretty optimistic there. I, I look at the way the schedule plays out and Washington is the one game I, I predicted a loss. I think that's a really tough matchup for a lot of teams. And we're talking about a retooled secondary for Oregon. I'm super optimistic that we'll see improvement there. And maybe I'll feel different after first five games and they get to the bye week and I'll be able to say, hey, maybe you know, Oregon's actually set up to be in a really good spot against an offense like this. That's just a really tough matchup from a personnel perspective last year. And I'm not convinced yet that it's going to be 
favorable this year. And it's not going to be favorable regardless because that offense is just really hard to defend. So that's the game that I have marked down as a loss. I think there are three other games that are toss-up games, right? And that's where you could see them go 9-3 and three without too much difficulty. You look at the game, and they're pretty, pretty straightforward, the teams I've already talked about. You look at the game against Utah a couple weeks after that Washington game in Salt Lake. You look pretty darn good against Florida. A couple, uh, yeah, they look. I, I, that was impressive. They look really good. The question for me still is: is like, what's going on with Cam Rising? You figure yep. by late October he's probably available, and I would imagine. But we'll see. And even though they were able to, you know, make cobble it together and make it work with the two quarterbacks, and I was really impressed with just the general approach there. They benefited from Florida kind of not playing its best, making some mistakes, having some costly errors in spots yep. that you can't. Um, and so that game is very much up in the air. The USC game at Autzen in November, oof, that's going to be fun for a lot of reasons. Can't say I'm like a hundred. I feel like it kind of lost its energy it a bit when yeah. we also decided to go to the Big Ten. Yeah, because I remember when I, I wrote – it's funny because I was reviewing – my predictions from February to see when I made this 11 to one prediction to see if I still felt strongly about everything and, and all that. And the through line for that February uh, edition of the Oregon USC game was this is like, this is for, there's so much animosity. It's as that USC stabbed the conference in the back and then it's kind of, well, that's not really the case anymore. Just take so that. Like, oh, out. No, I didn't, I didn't write anything negative about anything. teams that would go to the big 10. Would, yeah. What kind of jerks would go to the big 10? Yeah. Um, but you're, I think you're right. That has lost a little bit of animosity or a little bit of that kind of punchiness to it. Maybe not animosity because those programs still hate each other for a lot of reasons, but it lost a little bit of that punch. Um, and then obviously the Oregon state game to finish the season. I think Oregon has the better roster. I think the way this year plays out, I think that'll, I think the separation, will be bigger this year than it was a year ago. I think Oregon had a better team last year, just didn't finish the job. I think this year they will, but that's another game you can't. You can't look at the schedule and tell me that that's not a game they could lose. So I think there's like kind of four games in the conference play. I'll throw Texas Tech as a tough game in the regular yep. season and preseason portion of the schedule. That's like five games that are probably losable. Um, I think they're going to win four out of five. Um, that might be too optimistic, but I just think this team's taking a step, and I – think defensively that's going to be where it, it, it really matters and we'll see come out of Lubbock I might feel like I'm crazy for picking that but yeah I, I don't think I will I think Lubbock is the great barometer for how we're going to feel about the rest of the season and what the ceiling is and what the range and whether or not you know I think the floor like everything goes wrong is eight wins and I think the ceiling everything goes right is 11 wins yeah. and we'll see if you know I still feel that way after the Texas Tech game we won't know a lot after Portland State. We might know something. We'll have indicators, but I think it'll be more about the future than uh, th than the present. But I, I think they go three and two in those games. I think they split with Texas Tech and Washington in some order. If they beat Texas Tech, I think they'll probably lose to Washington because those are kind of bounce of ball, go either way games. But if they lose Texas Tech, I think they'll find a way to beat Washington. And then I think they split USC and Utah. And Oregon State, I agree, is tough. But I think that they beat the Beavs, and between USC and Utah, it, it's I, I lean towards the home teams there. That's always my philosophy. If you know all things else are kind of equal, or it's going to be tight, who's got the better quarterback, or who's at home, I, I think is generally how how those games kind of kind of get decided. Have you thought about? And again, we're jumping into December now. Have you thought about who you would, if Oregon is hypothetically in the conference championship game, who you want them to play just from a narrative perspective? 
I don't know if I have an answer yet, but there are there are a lot of good choices. I would say Oregon State or Utah. Yeah, I think matchup wise, like that Oregon State game last year was it was a massive fluke. I I think it was just the special teams were a disaster, which put the defense in bad spots, which was bad. Don't get me wrong, like. They weren't throwing the football. You should have put nine guys in the box and said, I dare you to go one-on-one on the outside and we're bringing a half. Like, that was that was bad, but I don't expect that to happen again. Whereas with the secondary and the questions that we have there and the amount of turnover and new faces that are coming in, I think that's a bigger question mark. And you have Washington and USC that want to throw it, throw it, throw it with dynamic quarterbacks, whereas Oregon State and, uh, and Utah – I think that's a better matchup philosophically because they're basically cast in in the same mold. The Oregon-Utah, for that to be the final conference championship game would feel a little bit fitting based upon how the last five years have played out. It, it would it would feel oddly fitting, wouldn't it? Yeah. But you know what? You know what was oddly fitting is the Pac-12 football season starting at some level with a two-and-a-half-hour lightning delay and almost losing to an FCS team. Let me tell you, that that is peak. We went from Pac-12 after dark to Pac-12 just before the sun comes up, uh, which is which was a, a different level. Let's close out with a couple mailbag questions here. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are new here, YouTube comments or Twitter, always reachable at smalls underscore 55 or at locked on ducks. I want to start with a quick one that I feel like you would know better than me. This is from a Bud, who's an everydayer. Yeah. Mailbag, is there anything new this year for the fan experience at Autzen? I saw something about this. Didn't fully understand what exactly w- was new. Do you, did you have any insight there? Oh man, uh, I've seen the press release and I've 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 parsed through it. I'm going to pull it up right now uh, so I can try to provide some insights. I honestly have not been playing enough attention to that between practice coverage and trying to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I, 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 I saw something that. about it and was and I read it, but then it like wasn't totally clear. I didn't know the fan experience needed to change at Onsen. I now I haven't been there since 2017, tragically, but like I was not going. I've never been to an Oregon game and thought, "Boy, this needs to improve." <laughs> like the environment is is just so great. Yeah. So I mean, you read you reading through this um, digital parking passes, exciting. Um, <laughs> upgrades yeah. to the charter box on the north side of the stadium um so that affects 0.1 i knew i knew about this one uh, you know without even reading this because I've, I've seen it in person but there's a new video board inside the mashovsky center which is i'm assuming everybody listening knows but that's the indoor practice facility and where they do a lot of events and stuff throughout the year they'll have fans and you know they'll be basically a food court pregame so there'll be a video board in there um I, I don't I don't see a lot else. So I mean, it seems pretty small. It is pretty minor. Okay. Yeah. Minor 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 upgrades. Uh, a more interesting question to make a, a prediction in this Portland State State game to wrap up uh, today's show. This is from at eys underscore lgb. I honestly don't know where you guys come up with these things, but that's all good. Um, hi Spencer. No culinary or Star Wars question from here. Disappointing. Mm. A little more straightforward, but acceptable. What will be the most eye-opening stat from the UO Portland State game? Well, I'll, let you, I'll yeah. let you start, Eric. Well, I was just going to say, if you're in a Star Wars, we'll do some Ahsoka talk at post pod because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Oh, oh yeah, we will. Oh yeah, we will. Okay. okay. Right, anyway, now I'm I'll looking forward to that. Out, I got to cover out some time. Um, so a stat prediction is that what we're talking about? Here? Most eye-opening stat. Oh, eye-opening. 
Um, that's interesting. Let let's let's get optimistic and, and and predict something with a large sack total. I think that would make fans happy. I think the way Portland State plays will provide opportunity for that. You know, um, their quarterback Dante Chachere. I trying to get that pronunciation right. I need the pronunciation guide. I haven't seen it quite yet. He, the way he plays and the way Portland State plays, I think, opens up the opportunity for a defense like Oregon's to have some success. And I say that for a couple of reasons. I think, first off, um, their pass offense likes to throw the ball down the field. That's I think they their depth of target last year was like 12 yards per pass, which is very, very high. Um, they succeeded in completing some of those. But that also, those are slower developing plays. Can Portland State's de- offensive line stop Oregon's defense from interrupting gosh, those I, plays? Gosh, I hope not. Yeah, you hope the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. It better not be. And then the other part is, and allow me to make kind of an odd reference, but I remember watching Stetson Bennett in the NFL, right? We watched him against Oregon last year and what he was able to do, but up against competition in the NFL in his preseason debut, trying to do some of these Stetson Bennett runaround things, that didn't work because the athlete was better and he got pulled down. Mm-hmm. Portland State's quarterback is really, really athletic. 4-4 speed is what people are saying. Uh, Came out of the Fresno area, was an athlete that was recruited by some bigger schools that wanted to play quarterback. He might have a little of that Stetson Bennett overconfidence. I can get – I ran for like 600 yards last year. Like some of their best plays last year were just him basically, you know, free free dealing and running around, making improvising, making things happen. It might be a little bit of that where he thinks he can make a thing or two happen here against better competition, and, and the answer is he can't. And Jordan Birch or Brandon Dorlis or some of those guys are able to bring him down as he's used to being able to outrun defensive ends and linebackers you know, in open space. Maybe this time he's not able to do that. So th- I, I would say, like, give me six sacks. Let's be optimistic. Let's have six sacks. That. That's Eric's big, big stat prediction. I'm I'm going to go – with the ground game, I don't think Portland State will run for 100 yards. I think your improved defensive line, given the run game success they had a year ago and greater team speed on the back end, I think Oregon goes out and holds the Vikings to under 100 yards rushing. And some sort of dominant defensive stat would be encouraging, shall, shall we say, as we try not to look ahead to Texas Tech and just enjoy the uh, the game that we've got enjoyed today's show eric scopel at eric with a k underscore scopel on twitter 24 7 sports duck territory odds and audibles podcast his first and hopefully not his last appearance here on the show eric appreciate it yeah of course man let's talk ahsoka after this now oh well, you are so on appreciate everyone listening i'll see you next time have a wonderful rest of your day enjoy the football game tomorrow i'll be watching know you will as well until next time as always go ducks